Amen. Well, what a privilege. Um, you guys thought you got rid of me, and I snuck back in. Uh, it's a privilege to be with you guys, and it's been a few months. Uh, it's been a good few months at this church, hasn't it? It really has been. Um, I'm excited to be back with you this morning. I'm excited for those of you that are online, and you get to be part of this as well. Um, I think you know me by now because I've spent a year up here off and on. Um, I, I have enthusiasm when it comes to God's Word. Uh, I can't help it. And this is one this morning that really has wrecked me a little bit. Um, and there's a lot of enthusiasm in the Word of God this morning. And uh, I hope and pray, and I love Hannah's prayer, that you will hear the voice of the Lord this morning in this scripture. Because his truth is real. Whether I feel it, acknowledge it, believe it, it is real. And if we will let it, it will wreck you and it will impact you and it will change the course of your life from here on out. And so I thought it was interesting because this morning is about imperfect people that were created for a perfect purpose. I look out in this room and I see a lot of imperfect people. And when you look up at here, you probably see one of the most imperfect people that's ever walked. And yet I get to stand up here and in some way, maybe God is using me for some odd purpose this morning. And I trust that he wants to do that with you. When you recognize who you are and who God says you are, you cannot be unchanged. I don't know about you, but I love garage sales and I love estate sales. And a few weeks ago in Bella Vista, it was Bella Vista Citywide Garage Sale Day. And I remember uh, driving by the museum and the VFW there. And I don't know, I bet some of you saw this as well. And there were about 10 booths stacked out there with people just selling things. And I don't need anything. But that day I drove in there and I stopped and I came home with 10 pairs of gloves, work gloves. <laughs> And the first thing Jill said to me is, why do you have more gloves? I'm like, well, why not? I mean, they were only $2, you know. And I, I love sales, especially in Bella Vista, because you can find old things that need to be restored and old things that have some value that with a little bit of elbow grease, you can redeem these things and maybe put a fresh coat of stain on there and use it for yourself or sell it to make a little bit of money. But a lot of us like restoring things. We like fixing up houses. My, my guy Leslie, he's an elder here. He's, he's fixing up a truck. He's bringing worth and value to something because he has a little bit of a passion and a purpose behind it. And so we like doing that. We do it with homes. We do it with furniture. We do it with vehicles. We do it with shoes. I do it with shoes. It, it's whatever you like to do that just that redeems and restores. And like low-key, I'm kind of in that business. I love meeting with people and churches and ministries all over the place that have great potential but maybe need a little bit of sanding and a little bit of holy sandpaper just to make them valuable. Or what if they were already valuable to begin with? They just needed to see their value more clearer. And we serve this God who is absolutely 100% in the restoration and redemption business. He is all about uh, coming alongside of you and taking you through this process where you see your value. And we know, you'll see this slide, there are these three images, it's, it's really interesting. You, we've got extreme home makeover, 
We've got, we've got the, the silos down in Waco. And then we have our own local couple on HGTV, Dave and Jenny Mars. Three different things here that are in the restoration business. And the one in the middle, it makes me think that if we could be like those silos, does, does God, does Jesus see me like one of those silos? A little bit rusty, a little bit old, but man, if we could put a shine on it, what might he do? Would people actually make a trip to Waco, Texas to see me because of what God has done? And the answer is, that's what he wants to do. That's what he is doing. And there's this great passage, just to kick us off this morning, that I want you to see. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it says this, that if any of us, any of us is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. That which was broken down and beat up and rusted and, 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 and broke and not much use, once that person finds themselves in Christ, that old is gone and the new is risen up, and it's time for business. It's time to take on the world. Amen? And if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if he has wrecked you at any point in your journey, or he might even wreck you today, you can leave here totally new. Totally new. It doesn't matter the baggage that you are hauling in your U-Haul. It doesn't matter what's behind you. It is totally, totally brand new. My prayer for this morning is, that, is this, and then we will pray this is that whatever we have that we may not recognize, that this moment, somehow, that Jesus, in his work, through his scripture, through his word, through our worship, through us slowing down this morning, that we might recognize something that's unrecognizable currently in our heart. That he would do something that would awaken you to this greater purpose, and it's going to begin with you knowing your identity. It's going to begin with knowing your value. It's going to begin and end with you understanding your purpose and how God has created you and wired you. And today is about that. Every one of you that can hear my voice, this is for you. Every one of us that are sitting in here this morning were our imperfect people created for a perfect purpose. But in doing that, what that always does is it creates questions. Questions like, what is a perfect purpose? How can I find it? What if I don't believe what the scripture says Jesus says about me? What if that's not what I've heard? Who am I really? And then practically, how do I like live this thing out? When I leave here in about 40 minutes, how do I live this out moving forward from this Sunday afternoon through next week until I roll back in here next Sunday? How do I live it out? And so I just want to pray because if we're going to figure that stuff out, Jesus has got to figure this room out. Father, I am begging you this morning that your spirit would fill this place, that your spirit would fill us, that it would fill me, that it would move in a way maybe like this church has never experienced at all, like you would move and awaken your church, your people, those that are listening, those that are in front of me right now, that, that you would move and fill this place. And in this very moment, as we talk about identity and purpose, the enemy leans in a little bit closer and he begins to throw daggers and darts. And so Satan, I know you can hear this prayer and I reject you and I rebuke you 
you in the name of Jesus. You do not belong in this place, and we command you to flee in the name of Jesus. This is a holy place, and this morning, there's some holy ground as we walk and we invite you in and we talk through your word and through your scripture, Father. Would you fill this place, whatever we're feeling, whatever doubts or frustrations or insecurities or sin that we're hanging on to this morning, just help us to lay it at the foot of the cross and just be open and teachable this morning, that we would hear what your spirit would have for us in a big, big way. We ask this and we trust and we believe. Amen. Amen. Scripture says that you have amazing value and that I have amazing value. In fact, there's over 150 passages within the Scripture in the Holy Bible that speak to my identity and my value in Christ. But let's just be real. There are moments in my life where I don't believe that. Am I right? Are there moments in your life where you don't believe that? It doesn't matter. You can get in the Word, you can, you can saturate yourself in it, and yet you can walk away, and then the next breath, you're thinking about how you've dropped the ball, what you could have done differently. The enemy comes at you with a target and a dart. He knows your weaknesses, and he just will roll you, and he'll wreck you. But there's 150 passages that Jesus talks about who I am and how I can be encouraged. And the question for all of us is, can we hear them and receive them and believe them and live them out? And I want, I want you to hang on right now because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle these off. I want to wreck you right now with a couple passages from Scripture that are going to come alive. And so what I want you to hear is this, that you are God's child, John 1. That you are a disciple, you are a friend of Jesus Christ, John 15, 15. That you have been justified and declared righteous, Romans 5, 1. 1 Corinthians 6 says that you've been united with the Lord and you're one with Him in spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says that you've been bought with the price and that you belong to God. You are a member of God's body, 1 Corinthians 12. You've been chosen by God and you've been adopted as a child, Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. You've been redeemed and forgiven of all your sins, Colossians 1. You are complete in Christ, Colossians 2, 9 through 10. You have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ, Hebrews 4. You are accepted Romans 8, 1 through 2 says, you are free from condemnation. You are assured that all of your good, all that God works for good in all of your circumstances, Romans 8, 28. You are free from condemnation against the, uh, Jesus, uh, through sin. You cannot be separated from the love of God, Romans 8, 31. You've been established, anointed, and sealed by God, 2 Corinthians 1. You are hidden with Christ in God, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. You are confident that God will complete the good work that he's begun in you. That's in Colossians, or Philippians 1, 6. You are a citizen of heaven, Philippians 3. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, You have not been given a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, a sound mind, and discipline. You're born of God. The evil one cannot touch you. 1 John 5.18, you are secure in your faith. You are significant. You are a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine, a channel of his life, John 15, 5. You have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit, John 15, 16. You are God's temple, 2 Corinthians 3, 16. You are a minister of the reconciliation for God. You are an ambassador for Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You are seated next to Jesus in the heavenly realm, Ephesians 2. You are God's workmanship, Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 10. You can approach God with freedom. And with confidence, Ephesians 3.12, and you can do all things, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, Philippians 4. 
Amen? That is who you are. That is who I am. But I don't always feel it. But that doesn't make it less true. How can I feel it? Do you see? Jesus didn't call the rich. He didn't call just the rich. He didn't call just the popular. He didn't just call the successful. But he called the poor and the broken and the faithful. See, Grace Hills is a church for broken people to find authentic community and experience transformational, maturing spiritual growth. That is who you are. That is the mission. But we are not called to stay in our brokenness. That there's this journey that once we embrace all of those passages that I just read off to you, that God has a purpose for me once I know my identity in him. Not to remain in my brokenness, but rather to come alive in my freedom in Christ and live out this, this passion, this purpose for Jesus that's kingdom-minded, that I would love God and love people and give it away and multiply myself and reproduce myself. Not that I would just remain in my brokenness. Now, the enemy, on the other hand, would say, Mike, man, I would love to keep you in your brokenness. I'd love to keep you neutral. I'd love to keep you just in the background, not making an impact. And if I can keep you there, and if I can keep us there, if I can keep this church there, if I can keep Grace Hills there, then that's a little victory. And I'm not into giving Satan any more victory than he already has, are you? Like, I am called and redeemed, and those scriptures are for me, and they're for you. And I want you to look at this slide. I want you to see the names on this slide. I want you to know the company that you're in. Look at those names. This is the company that you're in. Here's what I mean. Abraham was old. Elijah wanted to take his own life. Joseph was abused and mistreated. Nehemiah had an entry-level job. Job lost everything. Moses had a speech impediment. Gideon was fearful. Samson had a problem with women, and Rahab was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Noah was a drunk. Jeremiah was too young. Jacob cheated. David was an adulterer who then became a murderer. Jonah disobeyed. He ran from God. Uh, Naomi had no husband. She was a widow. Peter was hot-headed. He was a Christ denier. Mary and Martha had anxiety, they worried, and they doubted. Zacchaeus was too small, and that little sucker was greedy. Paul was a persecutor, and arguably the worst of the worst. And the disciples, not only did they doubt, but the one thing Jesus said, guys, just stay awake. They couldn't even stay awake. That's the company that we're in. That's the company, like my name should be on that list. Your name should be on that list. That's the company that we were in, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because God is in the business of using imperfect people for a perfect purpose. But we have to recognize who we are and who we belong to. Amen? So wherever you're sitting, wherever you're listening, the person next to you on your left or right, in front of you or behind you, guess what? They're broken. They're messed up. They're imperfect. So are you. So are you. We all are, but God is still in the business of redeeming us. Here is why finding your purpose in light of your identity is significant and it's vital. I don't have this on a slide, but I want you to remember this. Write it down. Put it in your notes. Text it to somebody right now. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, all you can do is misuse the thing. 
If you don't know the purpose of a thing, all you can do is misuse the thing. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, don't ask the thing. Ask the one who created the thing. If you don't know the purpose of your life, all you can do is misuse it. If you don't know the purpose of your life, ask the one who created your life. What is the purpose that he has for you? Um, I want to introduce you to a couple different concepts. I know I'm moving fast. Y'all, I'm telling you, man, the, the, the word is so rich in these areas. There's this whole idea in our culture of capital P versus lowercase p. And I want to talk about, this, about that this morning. Capital P versus lowercase p. What is the P? It's purpose. Culture says that we should be able to solve what our purpose is. I mean, there are a million different, probably two million, probably a billion different purposes for us to engage in culturally. Even as a believer, even as a follower of Christ, there are so many things that I can engage and put my time towards. But as a non-believer, for sure, there's so many things. And, and then culture would also say that if I take the right in, gift inventory or spiritual test or personality test, if, whether I'm a, the Myers-Briggs or the Berkman or Strength Finders or the Enneagram, I'm a Golden Retriever, Bear, Otter, ENFJ, INTJ, Wing 8, 7, this, whatever I am, culture, that still doesn't solve it. There's still something deeper. We have to know our identity, which is why I rattled off what I rattled off earlier. And so here's what I want you to see. I want you to see lowercase p purpose. Here's what that looks like. Here's what this looks like. This is simple stuff. This is the day-to-day grind of life. This is you getting up in the morning, taking a shower, going to work, and just trying to be who God intended you to be today. It's, it's just the grind. It's, it's wiping a butt. It's disciplining somebody. It's, it's, take, it's helping your kids study for a spelling test. It's having a quiet time. It's mowing the yard. It's changing a flat. It's just going about your business. It's coaching baseball. It's having a quiet time here and there. It's loving your wife and doing the dishes and serving your friend and being available and loaning your pickup truck out. It's all of those things. These are the lowercase p purposes of our life as a follower of Jesus. These are just the things we do just as we breathe and as we exist. But the problem is, is while we're doing these things, and sometimes we're not even doing these things well, we're begging God for these uppercase, these capital P purposes. Look at that list. It's who I am. It's where I'm, it's where I'm, what am I going to do? And is God calling me to be a missionary? Am I supposed to give? What am I supposed to do? What do I stand for? How do I believe? And I think what God is saying to all of us is this is a journey that you have to be faithful with the lowercase before he will illumine your mind towards the capital, the big letter. But he wants to He doesn't want to hold this from you, but he wants to see how is Floyd going to walk over the long haul? How's my brother going to handle the business in front of him? And if I see that he's faithful with what I've entrusted him with, then I'm going to illumine his eyes to something bigger. And what is that something bigger? I don't know what that's going to be for Floyd. It's probably going to be different than it is for me. But what he's trying to do is, Mike, how do you do on the day-to-day? Are you faithful? Are you consistent? Not perfect. Notice I didn't say perfect. Are you faithful? Are you consistent? Are you faithful in those lowercase? And I want you to look at those two lists together. I want you to see both of those lists side by side. Because here's what happens. This is a seasonal thing. If you can have seasons of faithfulness in your life, 
Seasons of being on your knees before a holy God, listening and being quiet, taking time to get away, taking time to hear from the Lord, then what he will begin to do in you is reveal some of these capital P items on the, on the side over here. And here's what I love about the scripture. It's not complicated to understand. It might be complicated for me to execute because I'm stubborn and most of the time I'm a knucklehead. But what God's purpose for our life is really simple. Do you love me? Do you love other people? Do you tell those people about me? And are they going on to tell somebody else about me? Loving God, loving people, giving your life away, sharing your life, and them replicating it and giving it away. I think I've said this every time I've preached. This scripture is not rocket science, but man, it feels it's hard to execute sometimes. Seasons of faithfulness. Be patient, play the long game, be okay just moving forward. You know what that means theologically, just to move forward? That's called sanctification. I'm just moving forward. I'm just becoming a little more like Jesus tomorrow than I was today. And then hopefully Tuesday looks a little bit better than Sunday. And hopefully Thursday looks... And then when you step back and you take these one year, and we did that this weekend, I'm going to talk a little bit there. But when you step back and you take a one-year view... Did we move forward? Did we move the ball down the court? Have we advanced the gospel? Does my life look different? Have I been faithful in the little things? Understanding our identity. Who you are and whose you are. Who you are and whose you are. I don't know if I've said this yet, but I'm going to say it again. You're God's child. You're a disciple. You're a friend of Jesus. You have been justified. You've been declared righteous. You're united with the Lord. You're one with him in spirit. You've been bought with a price. You belong to God. You are a member of Christ's body. You've been chosen by God. You have been adopted as his child. You've been redeemed and forgiven. You are complete. You have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. You are accepted. You're free from condemnation. You're assured that God will work for good in any and all of your circumstances. You're free from any condemnation condemnation brought against you. You cannot be separated from the love of God. You are established, anointed, and sealed. You're hidden with Christ. You can be confident that God will complete anything that he starts in you. You're a citizen of heaven. You have not been given a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You're born of God. The evil one cannot touch you. You're secure. You're a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine. You're a channel for his life and all the work that he wants to do. You've been chosen, anointed, and appointed to bear fruit. You're his temple. You're a minister of reconciliation to God, of God, for God. You're ambassador. You're his ambassador. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. You are God's workmanship. You can approach God with freedom and confidence, and you can do all things through the Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, your Lord and our Savior who strengthens you, you are significant. And if you can embrace that and believe that and live that, then God in his goodness will reveal to you your capital P purpose after you've been faithful with those little things. Do you feel that? So what does purpose bring? Purpose makes things clear. I put on these glasses because it makes what's on this clear. 
I use an iPad because I can't see anymore, so I need the brightness of the screen because I need this to be clear. I can't see. When I have purpose in my life, I know what to say no to, but more importantly, I know what to say yes to because purpose in my life through the lens of identity and knowing where I belong, knowing whose I belong to, makes things clear. Purpose pushes you through pain. I think the first time I met you guys, I talked about a surgery that I had two years ago that I'm reminded of every single day because I have a 14-inch scar that goes from here to here. And it was incredibly painful to go through that surgery and to go through the recovery. And there were many times, my wife can attest, my kids can attest, that I didn't want to do this. Like I did not. There were many times that I told her I should have just rolled the dice with this pancreatic tumor. I don't, I don't want to do this. It's too hard. But my purpose i.e. my family, my kids, and my God, pushed me through a lot of pain. I remember thinking, I just want to live to be 90 so I can make disciples for 45 more years, even though I don't want to go to rehab today. I just don't want to go to physical therapy today. Purpose pushes you through pain, and then purpose empowers you to please God. When I have a purpose, man, all I want to do is thank the Lord that I'm not who I used to be in 1993, that somehow he could use a broken, messed up, tragic dude for good, godly things. And I'm empowered by that. I am empowered by that because it gives me confidence and strength that, trust me, y'all, by myself, I do not have. And I bet I'm in the same boat as you because there's nothing Nothing special about me. I am just like you, redeemed and restored, and I was once broken. And then finally, purpose brings power. Purpose brings power because, man, I tell you, once you find your purpose, once you find your cause, once you, once you find the thing that you will get up and do every single day, you will stand in front of anybody with courage and boldness and strength, unapologetically unapologetically because you know a good God rescued you because you know you belong on that list with all those other spiritual knuckleheads that had all kinds of baggage you know that our names belong on that list and so I'm going to land the plane the next question that you should be asking is this okay cool how do I do it I agree with you but now what practically what can I do and how do I believe what Jesus says I am? Because the house I grew up didn't affirm that. I didn't grow up in church, so I never heard, I've never heard this stuff before. The person I'm married to doesn't fill my cup like that. My kids sure don't talk to me about that kind of stuff. And I don't get that kind of, I don't get that kind of truth at, at work. So how do I believe that imperfect people were created for a perfect purpose? And I, would just, I just want to give you six you can take a picture of them. You can see the passage of Scripture along with them. But number one, and it sounds simple, but it's increase your prayer life. I'm telling you, conversations with God. And I'm not talking about religious conversations. I'm not talking about one over your meal or bedtime. I'm talking in the shower, when you get up, when you're in the car, in between moments, when you're in the yard. A real, authentic personal conversation with a real man who came to earth to rescue you from poverty and who you were. A real conversation with the Spirit, asking the Spirit to speak to you throughout the day. James 1.5, uh, you'll see it on the screen, it says that if any of us lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Engaging conversation. 
I spent an hour and a half yesterday in my yard, uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, with a weed eater, just hacking down weeds, talking to the Lord. Lord, I need you to show up on this talk. I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is a lot of heavy stuff. I'm, this is like 50 minutes worth of content. i got to squeeze it into 35. Lord, help me. I can't do this. I feel pretty in, incomplete, incapable of pulling this thing off tomorrow. Would you help me, Lord? I haven't had enough time to even prepare this week. I've been doing other things. Like, it was a constant conversation. And what is conversation? Sometimes it's about being quiet and listening. So if you're going to increase your prayer life, sometimes you just need to shut up and listen. What is God saying? When there's static in our lines, sometimes we can't hear his voice. What is static? It's sin. It's garbage. It's distraction. Remove the static. Open up these lines of communication. Number two, God speaks through his word. Psalm 119 says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. His word speaks to us. I just rattled off to you in three minutes a bunch of word. Did that speak to you? Did you hear something in there that resonated with a battle or a demon that you have been fighting? Did you need to hear that you are born of God and that the evil one cannot touch you? I bet you did. Did you need to hear that you've been established, anointed, and sealed with God? I bet you did. God's word speaks to us. So it's not just prayer, it it is conversation, but it's just meditating and saturating yourself in God's word, which is hard to do. Just being real, like it's hard to do. I have a million other things at times that creep into my brain that I want to do. Number three, we do need to figure out how we're wired and what we're good at. But I think before we do that, it's important to pray and to seek the word of God. But then at some point, figure out what you're good at. Why would you do something that you're not good at? You might give an opportunity for the Lord to get you better at it, but we all have gifts and we all have strengths. And, and I know, I know that I know that at a place like this in Grace Hills and in a place like our community in Bentonville Rogers, that those gifts and those strengths could be exercised. Some of you would be so good standing out front welcoming people into this place every morning. Some of you have the patience that Job had and would be excellent uh, spending time with a two-year-old across the hall. Some of you would be great hosting people in your home and hosting small groups and inviting friends and strangers and neighbors into your home. How are you wired? How did God create you? Figure it out. And number four, what are you passionate about and engage it? Again, that adds on to number three. Figure that out. In our community, there are so many places we can engage. And and because we've already talked about, once you find out what you're passionate about, it empowers you to please God. It brings power to you. It pushes you through the pain of having to start something from scratch. And it makes things clear so you can see. I love number five and I love six. Number five is this, that you would invite other people into your life. Uh, Proverbs 11, where there is no guidance, a person, a people will fail. But in abundance of counselors, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety, there is wisdom. Last week, a, um, a guy in my small group, young guy, 25, hit me up, texted me, said, hey, let's get, let's get some time. I said, cool. I didn't know what the agenda was. 
And we came together and we sat down. He's like, how do I know that God is speaking to me? How do I know that I'm supposed to stay where I'm at? What if God is calling me to somewhere else? And we began to walk through. It was actually really sweet for me because I began to kind of walk through this talk a little bit and began to flesh it out with him right there at first watch. We began to have that conversation. So in his case, I was the third person that he invited into this conversation. (coughs) Excuse me. Invite others in. And then number six, just get away. Get away. Hebrews 11. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. What would it look like if you just pulled away for a day, for two days, for a long weekend, and just spent time with the Lord in conversational prayer, in his word, Examining your gifts, figuring out what your passion is, inviting a couple people into that space or to speak into your life and just get away. On Thursday afternoon, your elders got away for two days. For 48 hours, this group of men that lead in this place got away and did exactly what is in this list. We spent time in prayer, we spent time in the scripture, we spent time having conversation. And it was all around the mission and the vision and the direction of where God might take this place. And guess what God did? He showed up. And he provided more clarity and more conversation and more dreams and fresh vision and new insight. And he drew this team close, closer than they had been before. This is what God does. His view of you is not a mystery. He has made it abundantly clear in his scripture who you are and what he thinks of you. His purposes are not mysterious. We're called to be faithful with the small things as God then begins to reveal the bigger things. But we can never neglect those lowercase p's. Never. The Spirit is active and living. The enemy is living and active. And so through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit's power, the empowering presence of the Spirit within us, we have victory. We have victory over all the daggers, out of all the lies, everything that the enemy throws at us, we have victory. Father, I pray that right now, in this place, that you are moving and awakening a movement among these people that it would just start with one or two or a family or a husband and wife, a student, this staff, this elder team, whatever you're going to do, Spirit, that you would work and that you would move and we would know that we will come under attack, that we will be bombarded, but we would believe the truth of your scripture and of your word, that we know that it's true, we know that it's true, we know that it's true, that we would meditate and saturate and conversate and study and soak it up and believe it with all of our heart, that we would not waste a moment, that we wouldn't figure this out at 70, that we would figure it out at 30. But Lord, if we do figure it out at 70, man, give us the the strength 
to go hard until the very last moment. May we never rest or waste a second of what you're doing within us. Thank you for your word that it's true. Help me to believe it when I don't. Give me the strength to believe it when I don't. Protect me from the enemy. Protect this church from the enemy. Protect these leaders from the enemy. Lord, would you have your way and do something mighty throughout this community with the people of this church? We beg you and we trust and we believe and we know that you want to because your word says that you want to. And so give us the stamina to endure and give us the courage to believe in your precious, precious name. Amen.